could see it so vividly and I knew it was what, what was the thing that was going to save me. I just needed to find the courage and earn the trust of Emma in order to risk our financial livelihood in order to make it happen at quite an irresponsible time. But at the time of making the decision, the irresponsibility or the, the imperfect timing of it almost made it feel more powerful. Welcome to Stories That Matter, a podcast series brought to you by Storians. We are all hardwired to engage in stories because they help us make sense both of ourselves and the world we live in. So in this series, we ask people to talk about the stories that have defined them. Today's guest is the successful international marketer, Anthony Duckworth, who during COVID decided to follow his creative spirited dream and put everything on the line to bring it to life. What led him to take such a courageous decision? Let's find out. Anthony, it's a real delight to have you on this next episode of uh, Stories That Matter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Gary, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, let's start by just uh, introducing you to our uh, listeners. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Anthony, the the person, who you are, what you do, and uh, you know, a, a brief intro. Sure. So, I guess I am what I'd call a, a regular guy, but in amongst my regular life, I, I do some irregular things. But before we get into that, uh, I'm a family man. I'm a 45 year old family man. I'm an Australian living in London. There's no shortage of Australians living in London. And, uh, and I'm a doting father of three daughters who are two of which are teenagers and, and one of which is seven years old, uh, adoring husband to Emma. And, uh, and we live in suburban Chiswick in London. Uh, I'm an Australian surfer by nature and living landlocked in London that took some getting used to, but in total, I've spent about 15 years of my life over in London and the rest of my adult life traveling around the world as a, as a backpacker and a and a keen student of the game of life, and and now we call London home. Uh, have done for the last six years, and and uh, and that's me in a nutshell. That's great. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get. We'll come on and talk about some of those irregular things actually, um, as we weave our way through this podcast. But as you know, this podcast is called Stories That Matter. Our, our company um, cares passionately uh, about the, the the power of storytelling, and so. We will weave our way through this podcast really with half a dozen questions that, that, that really start to try and understand you as a person through maybe the stories you've experienced and the stories you've told and the stories you've, you've heard. Um, so I, I'd just like to start by, you know, uh, what about a, a personal story from your past that's maybe shaped who you are today? Um, everybody, I think, probably has one. Um, maybe harder to, 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 to find one. But I'm hoping you can can think of one um, and talk about it from the past, and then maybe share also why that story is so important to you. Yeah, I might start with the second part of that question first. I do have a story in mind that took place in December of 2020, and the reason why it's so important to me because it really indicates a moment in time 
that captured me perfectly to not only where I had got to at the time of life, uh, which was now three years ago, so I would have been 42 at the time, but it also was a momentous occasion in my life where that conversation and that story propelled my life in a, in a completely different direction, which has in turn enriched my life in so many ways, I, I, you know, we'll eventually get to through this podcast. So, you know, the story, it sets place, it takes place in December of 2020. And it was, it was a time of, of life and, and, and a time in the world where we're all just figuring it out. You know, it was a difficult period for everybody. Uh, a global pandemic was was happening and everyone felt quite uncertain and, and, and I was no different. And at the time, you know, I, I have a corporate career and what I do in the corporate, corporate space is I'm what they call a, an international marketing director for experiential marketing. So my, my profession, my craft, my creative outlet is creating in-person experiences with people to create emotional connections with brands. And as you can imagine, that whole channel of marketing closed down uh, throughout the pandemic and appropriately so. So what that did was that that left a, a creative marketer in me leading a team of creative marketers all around the world, you know, trying to figure out how we can be creative in the virtual space. We pivoted everything to virtual but on occasion, that's where creative minds go to die. So I, I was not feeling that creative fulfillment doing my craft virtually as I would normally do doing it in person. So I was really suffering, to be honest, Gary, under the weight of no creative outlets. My industry was in ruins. As such, you know, the corporate career felt a little bit on unsteady ground and the future was very unknown. So I was, I was in a right state of not really knowing what way was up and I had no, no way to expel this creative energy and this anxiety that was building up within me given the state of my, my profession at the time. And it got to a point where it was almost suffocating and it wasn't a preconceived conversation that I, I was about to have. It just, it just had to pour out of me. So we were sitting in the kitchen one night, uh, as we do, my, my three daughters and my wife and I sit around and have dinner around the kitchen table every night. And then teenagers being teenagers, they then run off upstairs to check their phone and social media, what's happened over the last hour. <laughs> and little Coco, who's our seven-year-old, left the kitchen to go and do whatever she was doing. And I just, I just asked Emma, I said, look, I just need to have a chat. And it, it just had to come out. Um, and I hadn't really given much thought about what had to come out. Just so, I knew something was coming. So I shut the kitchen door and I just said, look, I'm, I'm, I explained to her that I was really suffering under the weight of, of that moment in time, this lack of creative outlet and, and the uncertainty around uh, our life in general. And I said, I need to unleash this creativity that's kind of burning a hole in me at the moment. And little do you know, Emma, you know, I've got this, this dream sitting in the back of my mind that I haven't yet told you about. Um, that I feel like I want to pull forward by about 25 plus years and activate now. It's something I've been thinking about for later in life, perhaps when I'm retired. It's, it's something we've never spoken about, um, but it's something I think about when I'm dreaming at night. And I think now's the time to pull it forward and try to rescue me from this, this kind of wallowing state that I found myself in. So I had their attention at this point, and, uh, and I'm now on the hook for revealing my dream as to yeah. what was rattling around in my mind that she had no idea about at the time. As we all are, by the way, now, as we all are. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I proceeded to let her know that when I was 65, 70 years old in my dreams, I envisaged myself being an old weathered surfer standing on a 
beach or block of land somewhere on the ocean, probably in Australia somewhere, but could have been anywhere, and serving other old weathered surfers who were running in and out of the ocean their morning coffee from a beautifully designed coffee truck. I said, I want to be a coffee truck owner. And she looked at me and thought, where did that come from? We have never spoken about that. You'd never spoken about that. Never once. She only knew that I was fanatical about coffee as a consumer, but she had no idea that I ever wanted to open a street coffee business, uh, let alone when I was 65, 70, standing bare feet on some pavement, serving out the back of a a vintage VW truck or whatever it might be. So this was a complete shock to her. And I said, but Emma, even though you've only just found out about this, I can see this so vividly in my head. Even though it's 25, 30 years away, it is so vivid in my head. I know what style of vehicle I would like to convert into a coffee truck. I know what sort of coffee machine, what kind of grinder. I can see the branding. I can see the customer's reaction to the experience that we're creating. I can see what kind of social media storytelling we want to tell. I can see this thing, but I've just parked it so deep because I have other things going on in my mind and my life that I haven't needed to bring it to the top yet. But this moment in time, right now, I have no choice. I have to bring it to the top because I need something to save me. And it was at that moment that the room turned really emotional. She didn't know the full extent of how much I was suffering with, with, you know, being the the provider, the sole financial provider of the family at the time in a very uncertain time uh, of the world and on very unsteady ground professionally. Yet here I was telling her this dream and not only explaining the dream that I want to activate, but the catch is, Emma, I need to empty our life savings in order to do it. Now, there's no worse time to empty your life savings account when you're in the middle of a global pandemic and your channel of marketing is in ruins and you might be out of a job in a month, right? But I felt so compelled to do it and I could see it so vividly and I knew it was what what was the thing that was going to save me. I just needed to find the courage and earn the trust of Emma in order to risk our financial livelihood in order to make it happen at quite an irresponsible time. But at the time of making the decision, the irresponsibility or the, the imperfect timing of it almost made it feel more powerful. Yeah. So that when I could sit here three or four years later and speak to a gentleman like you, I could look all the way back and think, I followed my instincts, I backed myself. Yes, I created a huge amount of almost unnecessary risk for the family, but that is why now I sit here three or four years later feeling so immensely proud of what I've achieved because mm. I did it when there was no safety net and I did it when there were real stakes on the table. And, uh, and then, you know, we'll get to part of the story, I'm sure, later. But then, you know, six, uh, no less, maybe, maybe five months later, my dream became a reality and I, I launched our coffee truck business on the River Thames uh, here in London. Wasn't quite beachside as I'd imagined as a, a, a weathered surfer, but it was near some moving body of water, and that was the yeah. River Thames in London. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say not too. not not too many surfers on the River Thames. Quite a few rowers, by the way, but uh, not many not many surfers. And of course, what our listeners won't know, but I do know because I've drunk your fabulous coffee. Uh, it is that dear Coco, as it as it became the brand, um, it, it is now. Um, uh, a flourishing uh, business, as you say, near Kew Bridge on the River Thames. And I mention that only for those people who may well want to get down there over the next uh, uh, few weeks and months to 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 taste 
what is fabulous coffee actually and and it's no surprise to me to hear you say that you were a, an avid uh you know coffee aficionado as a consumer because that's translated into what is obviously a fabulous product and and that now exists and you are doing pretty well uh, you're very transparent anybody that would like to follow anthony on linkedin will see he writes all the time about uh, transparently how he's doing the money that they're making for the family, um, you know, their profit and loss and some of the good days and some of the bad days, actually, because, you know, it's not without its bad days, is it? Um, you know, dear Coco, um, the days when it's pouring with rain, but on a Saturday at five o'clock, you still have to get up and open up <laughs> that truck, you know, as I read about on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, actually, if nothing else from me to you, a huge congratulations for that journey, because uh it, it's not easy being an entrepreneur in the first place number one but secondly it's particularly not easy being an entrepreneur when as you say you you risk your life savings um on behalf of your family at a time when you know frankly most people were hunkering down weren't they uh and and saving their money and protecting their money and doing everything they could to to secure their future so you know bravo for that and uh you know it's a great story to kick us off actually by the way a thank you, story. thank you, Gary, and and I appreciate the kind words uh, as it relates to your experience at Dear Coco. And uh, yeah, it's um, it, you know, I, I market Dear Coco uh, like I talk to friends. I often use the analogy that um, well, first things first, I say Dear Coco does four things, right? And the four things I say it does is specialty coffee, bakes, we're a little sweet shop, and I'm a storyteller, right? I consider it a core offering of what we do. The storytelling does translate in person in that if you stop by the by the truck and I'm so happen to be there on the day, you know, I'm hanging out at the truck talking to customers or indeed doing a barista shift, you will you will be immersed in the storytelling in real life. But equally it's an approach that I've taken to scale the specialness of Dear Coco well beyond the people who can come to the truck. And, you know, it's what we've become, I guess. Uh, known for and, and revered for is the open, transparent storytelling about, you know, a, a humble guy doing his best on the side of the river, you know, doing unusual things in, in partnership with many other things that he does that, that makes the sum of my parts um, feel quite draining for some, uh, but, but inspiring for others. Yeah. But uh, it's a core offering what we do, storytelling, and, and I was so thrilled that it's, it's, it's a premise of, of, of what you focus on as well. Um, so I thank you for, for the kind words of Dear Coco. Yeah, no pleasure. And uh, I guess that's a regular moment. Number one, isn't it? An international uh, experiential marketing director turning his hand to fulfilling his lifelong dream of, of, of opening what is also a beautifully designed, I will say, uh, coffee truck as well. Um, just carrying on with this theme of storytelling and stories and, and, and the, the, if you like this golden thread that we like to, to weave through this podcast, um, I just want to move on to talk about... Uh, a book, a movie, a poem, or something from folklore. Um, everybody, I think, probably has a story that has a you know a, a lasting impression, has left a lasting impact on them. Uh, and I wonder whether you've got one, and 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 whether that in turn has influenced your your life and or your work. I love this question, Gary, because there are some really nice parallels that that I can draw with. My favourite movie, which I'd love to mention to you, but also my first book that I'm writing, which is due to be released quite soon. And mm. the the movie that I'm, I'm particularly drawn to is, is a movie from the very early 2000s. It's a Will Smith movie and it's called The Pursuit of Happiness. 
I'm not too sure if you've seen it, but yes, for anyone, I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah. For for anyone who who might be listening and hasn't seen it, it's a beautiful movie of. It is a rags to riches style story, in that Will Smith's character is a very humble man, right? He's the father of a of a young son. He's in a relationship at the time, and he invests his entire life savings in buying these medical devices that that are very revolutionary at the time. And he since becomes a door to door salesman of these medical devices to doctor doctors and their GP practices in order to make his money back and make his young family a fortune. But, you know, he has some relationship problems at the time and his partner or wife heads off in a different direction. So he's stuck there as a, as a single father of one, um, trying to figure it out amongst this world, which is just really being unkind to him in that he's struggling to make ends meet and he just wants to make a better life for his young child and himself. And they fall on real hardship, you know, and they, they become homeless. They, they're staying in a homeless shelter. They're really struggling to make ends meet to the point where they can't even buy basic necessities. But, you know, he enters the world of stockbroking. He becomes an intern making no money, just picking up the phone and prospecting these customers to try to impress upon this firm that he could one day be a, you know, a stockbroker and earn a paycheck in order to do that and then go and provide for his family. But he really grinded it out and really fingernails through the mud kind of stuff in order to create a very humble life just so he and his young boy could survive. And the reason why I love that story is there are an incredible amount of parallels with that story uh, that, I, that I've lived throughout my life and of which will come out through the book, which I'm excited to release in that I'm a very humble, simple man, and I will never go off and create something that will change the world. I will never create a medical device that doctors will use to scan patients' brains or create a piece of technology that will make the world a better place. You know, I acknowledge my world in the place is different than that. You know, my role in this world is to raise three incredible young ladies, to be an incredible husband to Emma, and to build a business that I've had the fortune of doing of, of, of coffee and creating experiences for people wrapped up in storytelling that makes their lives feel a little bit better, even if it's only for, you know, very small moments throughout the working week. But the journey that I've been on in order to get where I'm at now in 2024 has been one of incredible tenacity, one that has required a lot of determination and iron will and resilience. And it's been very difficult. I mean, I've had a privileged life in many regards. I had the most incredible upbringing known to man. I was brought up on the beach in Sydney, Australia. But from a certain period on, which was 2015 onwards, I really fell into some hardships that put the family in harm's way and were very damaging emotionally and, and relationships suffered under the weight of those things. So I find a lot of parallels in my life to the parallels that I see in that Will Smith movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. A humble guy who's just trying to make ends meet and be the best role model possible for his young son and in turn my young daughters and create a life that is humble, but it's got all the right ingredients. And, yeah. you know, I'm pursuing that pursuit of happiness in my own way. <clears> and that really makes me feel like someone else went through it and, and documented it. And I just think it's a beautiful story. Yeah. And by the way, yours is a beautiful story as well. And, and a great reminder, you know, a great reminder that um, everybody everybody can make a difference and and if you look at the 
way that you can make a difference to the people around you and you can constantly remind yourself that if that is your life's ambition actually to really have an impact uh, big or small on, on the people closest to you that's an enormously powerful thing and as you say those people that visit your um your truck um i know through myself and 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 other other people that i know have been to your truck it, it's a great thing to be able to do on a saturday morning and definitely brightens or a sunday morning or a tuesday morning or a wednesday afternoon and, and definitely brightens people's day no question um and i would say also um based on my own experience you also have a developed a fabulous ability to also hire people in your own image actually and i can only speak for the truck not your working environment um your corporate working environment but some of the people that i've met through Dear Coco, who work for you and with you, are similarly wonderfully warm people, great storytellers, and fantastically interested in building human relationships. And in the end, that's really one of the most important things in life, isn't it? Because, you know, we are all hardwired to engage in stories and storytelling. And you found a way and, you know, your team have found a way of being able to do that and deliver real customer value. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. And I I think the the one thing I, I'm so proud of as it relates to the Dear Coco business is I feel like it represents the best parts of me that I've accumulated over many years of not only mm. in my personal life but in my professional life. And when you're a small business owner and you answer to nobody other than your wife, you can build a brand in whatever shape you like and you can set a, a, a tone of voice for that brand however you like. And there's no brand police or brand guidelines that I have to work within, I can just be my utmost self. And uh, and it just so happens that the utmost self uh, that I can bring to the table is something that I'm unfortunate that the people can connect to because my normal self is kind of everybody's normal self. We're just trying to do the best job we can, have a good time along the way, um, do meaningful things in, in meaningful areas that make sense to us and just have a good time. So I'm, I'm privileged that I've been able to build a business and a brand that represents me and what I'm what I'm passionate about. Yeah. We should give a shout out on this podcast to, uh, I haven't met her, but I assume that she is a fantastically uh, supportive, uh, loving wife. But we should give a, a shout out to Emma because it feels that like without her, uh, the Dear Coco story would not have happened. And I wouldn't be interviewing or talking to you today in the in the current state of mind that you're in. So I, I suspect we should just take one minute to give her a shout out. I think that's uh, incredibly generous and incredibly smart of you, Gary. Thank you for doing that. But <laughs> Emma knows this and I tell her regularly and I tell anyone who will listen that she is my oxygen. You know, she gives me wings. She backs me. Um, being the, the, the primary financial provider of a family of five brings immense pressure. Mm. And uh, it, it not only takes courage on my side to, to, to make decisions to try to propel the family forward, but it takes even more courage on Emma's side because she's not in control of the day-to-day of what I'm out there doing. Yeah. She trusts me 100% in whatever I do. And everything I have touched hasn't turned to gold over my life. It doesn't for anybody, but she has backed me consistently whenever I said I believe in myself and I can do it and we would be nowhere without Emma. So I'm incredibly lucky to have yeah. her. Well, that's a, that's a neat that's a neat segue um, into my, my next question, really, or the next kind of thing we could talk about is just thinking about your journey and 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 your life. Um, what's a story about a mentor or a, a role model or somebody that has really influenced you 
positively. Um, how has their story shaped yours? Again, another beautiful question. And I, I hate to sound unoriginal with this, but this, this is, a, this is a, a, a powerful story for me to tell, in particular now, because the, you know, the gentleman we're going to speak about is he's not doing too well from a health perspective. So I think it's a particularly emotional story for me right now. But, you know, the, the, the role model I absolutely have in everything I do is, is my father, Paul Duckworth. Paul is dad, I should call him, is he is he is built as an old school guy. He is stoic, he's talented, he's resilient, he's brave, uh, he's positive. He's, he's a fantastic human being built in the most beautiful way at a time where the world asked a lot of men to go out and blaze trails and provide and go through 17% interest rate periods of home ownership, you know. Uh, it was he, he came through life in an incredibly challenging era and he has never wavered from being a man who has an iron will determination to do the best job he can possibly do. He is built like me, and I don't think I'm disrespecting him by saying this, that he is never going to go off and change the world with an, an, an invention or build a business that's going to become a multi-million dollar enterprise. You know, neither of us are built like that. We're built to do the best job with the tools that we've been given. And the work ethic that dad has instilled in me and the absolute focus on doing the absolute best with the tools I've got, even if it's not perfect, leave nothing on the playing field, having that consistently day in and day out right in front of me for my 45 years so far has just been the most impressionable, immeasurable thing that anybody could have ever done for me. Um, you know, nothing was ever too much trouble for dad. He created the most beautiful upbringing that three boys could ever imagine. And he left with all of us the most incredible work ethic and, and the feeling of being privileged to be the head of a family of, of children and wives and husbands. It, it's just an incredible incredibly analog, incredibly stoic, hardworking man that I deeply respect. And when it comes time for me to get out of bed at 4.45, 5 o'clock every morning, and you referenced it earlier, where I've got to lace up my boots at 5 a.m. and the rain is hitting the side of the house and I've got to get in a little coffee truck and drive down to the river and step out of the, the cab of the truck, almost like I'm stepping onto the deck of a, a Bering Sea crab fisher boat. Yeah. You know, I do that because I'm like, dad would be stepping out onto the road right now and he would never grumble about it. He would say to himself, this is something that I get to do, not something I have to do. And that is an incredibly powerful thing when you're a small business owner and you have to summon the will to do whatever it takes to get by because you've got to show up consistently no matter how you're feeling. I always go back to dad and think dad would step out onto this road and not other, not batter an eyelid about it, he would just get on with it. So that stoicism and that strength and that iron will resilience to do the best job I possibly can with the tools I've got, that all comes from my dad. And that has crafted the man I am today and I think the legacy that I'm leaving behind. Yeah, uh, and what a powerful story that is. Also, what a powerful thing it is for you to have that mentor, that role model, but almost by your side 
every day you know uh, reminding you you know and 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 almost coaching you from a distance really to you know keep keep going keep doing the thing you want to do um and and i'm guessing he knows that i hope he does and i'm terribly sorry by the way to hear that he's not been uh he, he isn't too well you know obviously um you know thoughts and best wishes to you um for that but um that's a beautiful story actually and and one that i think i'm sure many people can relate to in terms of their uh you know their own parents and 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 the influence that they've had on you know their lives actually um yeah, and I've um and I've lived away from Sydney, Australia, which is my place of of birth, which is you know my my parents and whole family live in Australia. I've I've lived away from my my family who were very close, incredibly close, and we love each other dearly. But I've lived apart from them for over half my adult life. If you count my adult life from when I was eighteen years old through to now, where I'm forty five half of those years have been spent exploring the world. You know, I've been, I've been the son out of the three sons that have just, just gone and just been incredibly independent and, and seen the world. And being the one son out of three, and I'm the youngest of three boys, being the one son that has led a life in that fashion, it brings an incredible amount of guilt when you think about what you've left behind yeah, of and course. what you're not contributing to when things like current moment happen where someone falls unwell mm. and the rest of the family has to pick up the slack of you not being there. Yeah. You know, so it's important for me to use not only, you know, written notes and phone calls, but forums like this to really reiterate the message that even though I'm a traveler by nature and I've decided to live my life that way, you know, I'm a doting youngest son who's, you know, just so thankful and in love with his family. And, and even though I'm not there to say it day to day. So it's, um, you know, but having dad as that role model from afar, you know, his power is felt no matter where I am, even though I've lived away for, for most of my adult life. Yeah, and that's so important, isn't it, I think. Um, well, what about the stories we all carry forward? Um, there are lots of things that happen in our lives, aren't there, that you can relate through stories and that we keep with us and that we hold on to. You talked about there the huge impact and huge influence that you're you know your own father's had on you um what about a story that you feel that you 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 would like to pass on a story that you uh have have known have been involved in a story that uh, is important to you um that you definitely would like to pass on and and maybe also chat about why it's so important to preserve that story from your perspective Boy, it's a, there's a few stories, but I, and I hate to keep coming back to this one, and I certainly hope you and your listeners don't think this is a, you know, a, a PR opportunity, but I just feel like the, 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 the period of, of opening and operating this business in partnership with my, my teenage daughters, named after Coco, my seven-year-old, mm. as a love letter to her, hence the name Dear Coco because she's so young that she can't be in, in, involved in the business the way the teenage daughters are. So in order, in order for her to feel loved and included in it too, you know, we named it after her as a love letter so that she felt included and loved. Yeah. But the reality that's a, that's is... A beautiful, that's a beautiful thing, by the way. Thank you. Um, thank yeah, you. And, yeah. uh, and my eldest girls uh, remind me on or ask me on a regular occasion, say, Dad, 
what happens when Coco is old enough to actually work in the business like we are now? She then gets naming rights and paid to work at the band. So I say, guys, you'll be in your mid-20s by the time that happens. Just enjoy them. I would have thought as a great marketer, your response would be, you see, all brands have to evolve. And it may well be that we have to evolve the brand at that time. uh, And it may well be that we decide we might need a different name. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've gone off topic a little bit. but um, okay. But I I think the story of of Dear Coco, certainly that the first three years of its existence, which is, you know, we're three years old now, is is something that I'm so deeply proud of. I, re- I mentioned why in that it represents, I feel like, the best parts of not only the journey I've been on but who I am now as, as a man, as a husband, as a father. Um, but this moment in time is, is one I'm incredibly fond of because my two oldest daughters are 15 and 14, so they are the barista assistant down at the truck on the river every Friday and Saturday. They work with our lead barista and they get to immerse themselves in this business and they get paid to do so. Mm. And they get a real world sense of what responsibility looks like and, and being an employee and being part of a family business and how hard it is to make money and how much effort dad has to put in and everyone has to put in in order to be successful. So it's a wonderful moment for the family to bring us all together, right, when teenagers love to segregate themselves from the parents and yeah. you know, find their independence out in the outside world, which they do. But this is one moment a week where it, our life comes together. It's fully analog. No phones are allowed at the coffee truck and they get to just work side by side with a grown adult making money for the family. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. But what I, I'm so passionate about this story because whether or not Dear Coco lasts another three years or another one year or another 12 years, whatever it might be, and we're in the hands of our customers in a, in a degree for that, but this feels like a moment in time that's incredibly special for the family in that I feel like that clawing through the mud element of, of the last nine years of my life, and I reference the parallels with the Will Smith movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, I feel like now we're being rewarded for an incredible amount of hard work and yeah. tenacity and heartache that we've gone through. And the family has never been so close and never been so connected. Yeah. And we've never had um, the feeling that we have now where, you know, I can take my daughters off to a humble pub to watch, you know, a game of football uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And, you know, I can buy them, you know, a, a pink lemonade and maybe a bowl of hot chips and not need to worry so much about where the money is going to come from mm. because of the hard work that the family has put in to get there. So the story of Dear Coco, I think, is one I'd like to pass on and preserve. And when the girls are off doing their own things professionally and personally, that they will recount tales of standing on the river and being part of a small business that not only meant something for the family, but meant something on the global coffee scene because, you know, we were, we were batting above our weight and we really made some, some special things happen. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's, that's yeah. probably my favourite story. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, continued success, obviously, with Dear Coco. I'll, um, I and uh, my family will do our best to, uh, to, 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 to fill your occasional you know, the, the coffers with an occasional cup of coffee moving forward, Anthony. Thank you. Um, I just want to talk to you about something you mentioned um, earlier. Um, they say, don't they, that everybody has a book in them. Um, and lots of people I meet say, oh, you know, I've got a thousand ideas. I'd like to, I've often thought about this book or I've, I want to write about this. Or Now, now you clearly felt that you had a book in you, but um, 
uh, unlike you know, unlike many people, you've actually done something about it. Uh, you're writing it. You've nearly finished it, as I understand it. T- t- just talk to me for a minute about that process, and you know what what was the catalyst really for you deciding you were going to uh, embark on what is a tough process, as you may know. I I occasionally pen uh, the odd book for other people. I'm a ghostwriter myself, and it, it's you know it's amazingly enjoyable. I love it. Uh, so much but it's tough it requires discipline and it requires uh, the ability to back yourself because you're you know my case writing for other people or in your case you're writing under your own name which is far braver than anything I ever do Um, but yeah tell me about that process yeah it really stemmed off my digital storytelling uh, through through the lens of Dear Coco but uh, the second most common question I get as it relates to me as a business owner is well, the first question I always get uh, is, how do you power your coffee truck? <laughs> People are very interested in how we power the coffee truck, whether it's generator, mains power, batteries, gas. Anyway, yeah. for the record, we power it with mains power. So now everybody has the answer to that question. Yeah. But the second question I get is off the back of the long form digital storytelling approach that I have on Instagram and LinkedIn is that how have you not or why have you not written your own book yet? You clearly have a lot to say. You have an ability to tell stories in a way that most people can relate to. Why on earth haven't you done it? And it just so happened to coincide with me. I have never written a journal ever in my life. I have never written anything down. I'm a very emotional man. I'm a very emotionally intelligent person. I I, I love being vulnerable and I'm very comfortable to express my insecurities and have hard conversations at that emotional level. But also I'm a natural storyteller who has never journaled anything in their life. So it was an opportunity for me to, to take a take a, a moment and say, do you know what? I need to actually journal what feels like a very important nine-year period of my life. And while I'm journaling, do you know what? I'm actually going to make a book out of it and write it for an external audience and not just myself because the stories from nine years ago to present day, which is the period of time that the book is set in from 2015 to 2024, there's an incredible amount in there that's happened to me that would benefit from me bringing that back to the surface so I can put myself at ease through a much older, wiser lens. So things that happened in my, you know, mid-30s are now being reassessed through the eyes of a 45-year-old man who is much more emotionally connected and intelligent than I was when I was going through them. That's a very healthy process, very cathartic process. So it started by people asking me why I've never done it before, but then it evolved into me thinking about journaling my life just for myself And then I thought, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to do it for the external market so people can come into my story a little bit deeper and really um, hopefully share some of the kind of similarities with things I've wrestled with over the the last nine years. Fantastic. When is it out? Aiming for a March 2024 release uh, in digital form. Uh, And then uh, if it goes well, uh, I'll then send it to some publishers and see if they want to put it on paper for us. But digital form, hopefully in March. Well, absolutely in March. I've set myself a deadline and we'll do it. And dare I ask what the title is? There's a working title at the moment and I'm going to plead the fifth on that one and uh, (laughs) give it to you because uh, uh, I'd like to keep that as a reveal moment. Thank you for your curiosity. Not at all. No, 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 no. I, uh, I, I, I only ask because I... I often think the mark of whether whether or not you've got a decent idea for a book is often whether or not you can think of a title that uh, you know that explains it quite quickly or indeed you know um, is intriguing enough to 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 want to find out more. But uh, 
yeah, well, bravo for doing it and, and good luck with that. Um, as we as we wend our way towards the end um, of this, what's been brilliantly, brilliantly fascinating podcast. And thank you, by the way, Anthony, for being so open and so, um, yeah, so, so, so transparent, really, about both your family and the role your family's played in your life and the importance of your family. Um, I think, you know, anything, anything like that is to be hugely commended all the time, I think. I just want to touch on a couple of uh, last things, really. Um, obviously, I think you and I, our company, you, we share an enormous passion for storytelling and stories. And, and why do they matter? They matter because humans are hardwired to to engage with stories more than they are data and information. Why do they matter? Because they make people feel something. And frankly, you can't get anybody to do anything unless you make them feel something. And why do they matter? They matter because some of the most important stories of all time, um, you know, really only come to life properly uh, when you tell them as stories. Um, uh, and there are so many examples of that. But from your perspective, what, why do stories matter? Why are you a storyteller? What is it about storytelling that so engages you in the way that it clearly does? Do you know what? I, I don't know. But one thing that, that comes to mind, maybe not why I connect with it so much, but maybe why like, I feel like I can do it, that people feel they can connect with my stories is I feel like I'm an untrained musician that can play music. I can't read music. I don't know what good music sounds like, but I know how to play. You know, there's a great movie in a scene, uh, a movie called Goodwill Hunting, where mm. Matt Damon's character is trying to articulate why he has this God-given gift to be this genius mathematician that he is. Uh, he was born that way. It's not something he learnt. He said, and, he, and he's referencing, um, you know, musicians like Mozart and Beethoven. And he said, look, they just look at a piano and they just know how to play. Whereas he looks at a piano and he just sees a box of wood and pedals and a bunch of sticks. But when he looks at complex math and, and problems that no one on, the, on earth can solve from a mathematical perspective, he can just play. He can just solve it. Stories for me feel a little bit like that. I don't try to sell stories. I don't try to learn how to be a storyteller. I don't know what makes a good story. I don't know technically how to build a story. I don't know how to write a book. But I can just play. I can just tell stories and they come out in the right order at the right level and with the right emotion. So I don't know why stories are important to me, but I'm a big believer in long form. I believe in giving depth and giving emotion and giving context. I don't like short abbreviated ways of communicating. I've never been on Twitter. I think that feels a bit unhealthy in the way I like to communicate because I'm long form. If anyone follows me on Instagram or LinkedIn, the first thing they will notice is, boy, this guy uses a lot of words, mm. but every word is intentional and yeah. it's designed to build a richness and a layer of, I guess, flavors in the cooking world where you, you leave feeling like you've had a deep, rich experience. So I don't know why I know how to do it. I don't know why they're important to me, but it's just been my way I've always been and I've always communicated. Yeah. And uh, it's not for everybody. 
Some people don't want to read the length of context that I give, but the people who do invest the extra one minute in it tell me that they can get a little bit of richness out of it. So I'm I'm going to keep being me. Yeah, and that's you listen. Um, having experienced and read and 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 taken in a lot of the content that you've written, you, you're absolutely right. You are a natural storyteller. You give people that context. You give people a reason to read on, uh, and I think also you express vulnerability you express um you know the ups and the downs and i think that makes it incredibly human i think people relate to it because it's not um coated um uh, you know with positivity all of the time and i think that's what frankly great content does you know uh, because people are re- able to relate to it you know there's an empathy about it which means that you know, people understand what you're going through because they themselves are going through it. So I think you are a natural storyteller. And I, for one, cannot wait to read your book, uh, my friend. Um, now, my last question is one that you may not like, actually, given your your love of, of long-form content, because I'm going to ask you, and hopefully it won't appear to be too um, too bleak an ending, but, uh, of course, we we all at one point are not going to be here. Um, there's nothing more sure. Uh, that uh, uh, no one gets out of here alive. Um, and I'm just curious because obviously it's a canvas on which people do paint and tell stories and the story of their life. Um, what would you like written on your gravestone? What story would you like people to tell and sum up on what is quite a small space, actually? So by definition, it may have to be a, a short form piece of content unless you are going to have an enormous tombstone uh, <laughs> so that people can write a longer form. But yeah, what's, what's the story that in a way you'd like written on your gravestone? That's probably one I can keep very concise for actual printing on the gravestone, but uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you why I think uh, this is why I would like, uh, what I would like on my gravestone. I think I would like just the simple words, he gave it his best shot. And the reason I say that is I am driven by what my life looks like when I'm at the end looking back, right? I often have these dreams where I'm not only dreaming about retirement coffee trucks, but I have a very vivid dream, a recurring dream in that I mentioned I'm a daughter, a father of three wonderful daughters and, and a husband to Emma. I have a very vivid dream recurringly where I'm a 75-year-old version of me and I'm sitting at the head of a long table and I'm looking down that table and either side and at the other end is my family. My three girls are there, my wife are there. Maybe there's husbands, maybe there's wives, maybe there's kids, maybe there's not. But my family in totality is there and I'm sitting at the head of table sitting at the end quietly looking at what I've helped build. And what I see looking back at me is three unbelievable young ladies or women at that time who have gone on to build incredible lives, not through success or money, but the people that they have become and the young people that they are raising are world-class human beings. And they, I have become the person that my father has become to me in that 
I am used as the example of what a human being can do with giving it his best shot and leaving nothing on the playing field. And they use me as a benchmark for how other people should treat them because I treated their mother the way I believe a man should treat a woman with the utmost love and respect and care and nurturing. So all those life skills that I've passed on through to all these wonderful people who in turn pass it on to their wonderful people, that is what I want to feel like as that 75-year-old sitting at the head of that table. And I'm not a rich man. I'm just so content with the life that I lived was maximised and it was well-lived in the right areas with the humble tools that I had available to myself. And then when the day comes, hopefully 10 or 15 years after that dream is set in stone, that they are burying me and carving something on the gravestone, it is Anthony Duckworth, he gave it his best shot. And that I did. What a brilliant uh, and profound way to end, um, Anthony. Um, Thank you so much. This has been uh, just a brilliant 45 minutes. I know I'm the host of this podcast, but I'm, I feel very privileged and honoured, actually, that I have also been a listener while you've been talking um, to some of the things that you said. I, I know some of them have, uh, have resonated with me very profoundly, and I'm sure they will, many of the people listening to this. Um, as I said already, I appreciate the way that you've handled uh, you know, what we've talked about. Um, it's been incredible to talk to you, incredible to hear your story. I wish you all the luck in the world um, with Dear Coco. And uh, I think I can speak for almost everybody, in fact, everybody who will be listening to this podcast to say that uh, Emma and your girls are, are very, very lucky people. There's no doubt about that. Anthony, thanks so much. Gary, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.